This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 29 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Today on Retired Racehorse Radio, we bring you our favorite vet, Dr. Madison Siemens from Cornerstone Equine, who is going to educate us on viruses. Forrest Franzoy from Herd of Zebras joins us to talk about how every horse and rider has a story to tell. And Sarah and Leandra from New Vocations brings us some updates and another Quarren Cutie with our Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Stay tuned. Quarren Cutie, I love it. <laughs> And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Jamie, how are you now? Oh my gosh, every day is Groundhog Day. I'm so tired of this. I want my friends to come over and play and I want to go to horse shows. I have like primed this horse to be ready. I mean, I rode him in the makeover last year and I thought baby group and I are going to hit the trail. We are going to go and we are going to just blow the doors off the eventing circuit here in the middle of the country. Nope. No, he's just getting fat. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's just just running around the pasture causing problems. <laughs> so no, I'm so, I'm, I'm so ready to go back out and compete and everything. I mean, first world, you know, equestrian problems here. I want to show more, but how's everything in your world? Is it still snowing in Michigan? Oh no, we finally got a break from it. There's actual grass now. So I'm watching Ooh. my horses blow up like balloons. I miss canceling plans with my friends. I miss that. <laughs> Remember the time uh, you got invited to that place and you canceled it like every time? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've missed that oh, too. <laughs> yeah. So, but I did have like a Zoom meeting with some friends where we drank wine and talked about the good old days. Remember how we used to go out and actually see people? Uh, oh, memories. You know what? I'm really tired <laughs> of having the only place I go is the grocery store. I can't go. No. I can't just can't possibly go into a Walmart again. I've what learned so much need? about our grocers. I know really? about their families. I know what their kids <laughs> like to eat for dinner. Like, like we're just on a talk to me. Pace. Like it's just well. they know what wine I like. Like they actually tell me, like you know, we have a really good Pinot Noir in the back. Would you like to see? <laughs> this is not okay, Paul. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> how's how's Brenda in the house? And how are the kids? Uh, yeah, Manny and Sarah. Doing? How's your dog doing? You know, how's Eddie doing? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I know I'm, it's crazy, but at yeah. least, you know, for those of us that do have horses at home, at least we have horses at home. I feel so bad for the people that are not able to go out and see their horses, their boarding facilities, you know, it will end this too shall pass and we'll, we'll get through it somehow one way or another, but I am loving like all of the different challenges on social media. Like I have been tagged in so much, so many things like some of the auditors tagged me in this, put on a t-shirt while doing it. Did you do that? Girl, not yet, but I probably will because I'm bored. (laughs) (laughs) Quarantine is going to break me, I swear. Producer Jen, have you seen this put a t-shirt thing on? 
I have seen it actually, and I, I was very confused. Only somebody very confident in their body would walk out there in a sports bra, get upside down, put your feet up on a wall, and then put a dang t-shirt on upside down while you're on your hands. I don't know. It's Are you sure they just didn't turn the camera have. upside down? Oh, that's a really good idea. Mm. Oh, look, I can do this too. See? <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to our title sponsor before we get to our first guest. And we would like to thank Kentucky Performance Products for sticking with us through all this craziness. But here we go. Let's hear from Kentucky Performance Products. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Are you worried about digestive disorders such as colic, diarrhea, and ulcers making your horse sick? Try adding Nalox Advanced to your horse's diet. The ingredients in Nalox Advanced support a healthy stomach, robust microflora populations, and normal gut function so digestive disorders become a thing of the past. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of ulcers, diarrhea, and colic. Why take chances with your horse's well-being? Start your horse on Nalox Advanced today. It's time again for our favorite veterinarian who comes on our show all the time, but he also comes on Horses in the Morning, another show that I do with Glenn, the owner of the Horse Radio Network, and he came on the show with us, and I just thought it was such good virus talk, if you will, and so I, I do think, I believe, I say, Joy, at some point that Dr. Siemens should run for president. I'm going to stick with that. I support. I, I support 100%, <laughs> and I'm there for it. All right. Well, let's see if y'all agree with us as well. Now, don't forget that Dr. Siemens has written a book. He's a poet author. He also has written a book called Never Trust a Sneaky Pony and Other Things They Didn't Teach Me in Vet School. Let's hear from Dr. Madison Siemens from Cornerstone Equine. Dr. Siemens, are you mad at me? I messaged you happy birthday and you never wrote me back. Are we we cool? Oh, Oh, no. I thought you guys were mad at me because you don't call me anymore. Oh, well, it hurt my, call you it and you hurt, my hurt my feelings. It did. Uh, did we miss his birthday? Sure. No. No. Okay. We talked about it. No, we gave no. you a happy birthday message. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> we love you. Thank you so much. Now I did that when I was when I first got on Facebook ten years ago. There's just so much information that gets put out there. And so I just put April, it asked birth date, I put April 1st, 1917. And, and some people get that and some people don't. So. All right. <laughs> is it well, really April 1st or is it sometime in November? It's, yeah, I was, I, we started in November in 1951. So, but I don't put that out there. I don't want my, I don't want my number out there, you know. Well, nobody's heard it. Okay. <laughs> so how are you, how, how are you guys doing? Man, we're doing great. We're doing great. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're like every day's Groundhog Day and and kind of all stuck in our houses. But I know that you, I mean, are you, what do you, we just want to know what you're doing. Well, it's, for me, it's, you know, the things have slowed down a little bit because people are kind of worried. We still, we're still doing a lot of emergency work. And so that's kind of what's keeping us afloat. But, you know, we're out here in the, in the, in basically rural Idaho, so we're not in a real in a real contrary population base. So it's not you know it's we're not seeing the the kinds of of worry and concern here that they are in in, in areas with a higher population base. But still, there's some concern out there over this deal. Now, with social distancing, a- when you go on calls, do you have the client stand at one end and you stand at the other? That's about the right length, right? 
I get as close to the horse as I possibly can. I, I don't really worry too much about social distancing with the horse. <laughs> no, I met the client. Do you have them stand at the butt end while you're oh, at the front person. end? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't care about that. I just I really don't get I just don't get too worried about that. Are we are we on the air now or is this, this is Oh just no, that? you're on the air. You're you're on the air. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, okay, so- well, I'll try not to revisit my pre-Christian vocabulary while we're, while we're doing this. You don't have to bleep me. Can I, Jamie, I got to start this, though. Can you please tell people not to suck an entire tube of ivermectin down after the report the other day? Yeah. Well, the, the good news about the ivermectin, well, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of things that we've got to consider. The, the, the first thing is, is that we've had coronaviruses around for at least 50 years. They first isolated the coronaviruses in the cat in 1970. It causes feline infectious peritonitis. Say that three times fast. So, in so, other words, uh, all know, of this is a cat's fault. I could have guessed that, actually. <laughs> well, we can blame it on a cat if you want to. This particular COVID-19 probably did not come from animals. All, all I can say is that the, the, we've, had, we've had coronaviruses in animals for a long time. So it causes, generally it causes gastrointestinal problems in cats and horses. This particular one in humans is obviously a respiratory crud. So it's it's one of those things that it's not a created thing. There was not some conspiracy, some evil mad scientist someplace invented a virus. This is just just part of part of biology. Kind of hard to control, kind of hard to understand, especially viruses. Viruses are really weird critters in the first place. Been a fair amount of discussion over the last 70 years as to whether or not they were even alive at all. You know, they're considered the perfect parasite because all other bacteria and protozoal types of parasites, they have all the, the machinery that they need to reproduce themselves. Viruses, on the other hand, are basically just either DNA or RNA, and they invade the host cell and they command it to replicate them. So it's a very, very novel and very, uh, very unique type of life form that's able to to get by on with the, with bare bones minimum stuff in order to replicate itself. So that's one of the reasons why it's kind of hard for us to develop vaccines against certain viruses. But the good news is that those those things change periodically, and that's why all these epidemics, with no exceptions at this point, have eventually run its course. The virus changes. Uh, just it, it mutates randomly and then it becomes less virulent. We saw that with the Spanish flu in 1917. Uh, more recently, we've seen that with the West Nile virus here, which is not a, not a human disease. It's actually a bird disease and horses and people were accidental hosts. And so we had a, an outbreak there in the early 2000s. We, we lost, you know, several thousand horses. But at peak of 2004 and by 2005 or six, it was d- d- back down to almost undetectable levels. It wasn't because we vaccinated every horse in America. It's because that's the nature of viral diseases is they change. So this is going to blow over. You know, it's not fun. It's not what we're having to go through to try to prevent it and and reduce the spread is not fun. But uh, this too will pass. And uh, we'll be back to back to back to doing things the way we've been doing them, I believe. Can I just say that Dr. Siemens for president can I just go out and say, <laughs> right in candidate, immediately, Dr. Seamus for president. That is the most logical way I've heard anything explained. Then yet. he really wouldn't take our calls, you know? Oh, he'd have to because I started the right-in vote. And I was like, <laughs> I put you there. I, I put you in this world. I can take you out. So he'd have to answer back. <laughs> 
So let's get back to ivermectin. We really shouldn't be sucking a tube of ivermectin. Let's go back to that. Well, the the thing is that that at very high levels, it can become fairly toxic. (laughs) So ivermectin has been around since 1984. And the beauty, the beautiful part about this, at least the the recent studies that that have been demonstrated, is it takes a very, very, very small dose to be effective. I think they're looking at five milligrams which your average tube of ivermectin, I think, has a gram, uh, you know, so a thousand milligrams in it. So, and it's, and you got to, re- got to remember that different animals, different species are going to respond to different drugs in different ways. And so the, the level of ivermectin that it takes to prevent heartworms in a dog is infinitely smaller than the level of ivermectin that it will take to kill a parasite in a horse. So we need to be really careful and not self-medicate all the time. Uh, there was a, there was a, a study when this first came out about some people that actually took something they thought was fluoroquinone uh, was actually a, a, a an aquarium cleaner. Right. Yeah. And it looked happened. like the same. It looked like the same the same compound, and it was not. So, uh, you know, uh, be that, careful with the kind of stuff that you start eating. You point know? out that was a Florida man. <laughs> oh, of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> How many assuming, people do you want to make mad today? I'm assuming he did not make it. I don't know if he died or not. I can't remember the story, whether he died or not. I don't remember. Is that the same guy? I, I think, that... uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, one, one, of them, one of the couple died. One of them was in ICU for a while. I don't know if they pulled out of it or not. So I talked to Dr. But, Wendy uh, last night, uh, and she's kind of our resident veterinarian here. And she, you know, one of the things she said, she really studied the, the reports out of Australia that brought up the ivermectin. And one of the things she said, you yeah. know, this was all done in a Petri dish so far. They haven't put in an animal. They don't know the distribution system they don't know how it's, it's kind of what you were saying they haven't done the animal test yet it 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 uh, stopped it from doing basically what it stopped what you said earlier it attaches to to your cells it stopped it from attaching so it didn't allow it to go in and, and invade and then replicate but they haven't done that in, in an animal or let alone a human yet so it's a long ways away it's just and but yet I heard reports from one of some of our auditors that said they went to Tractor Supply and there were no ivermectin. They asked why, and they oh, said God. they had to pull it off the shelves because non-horse people were coming in and buying it. Well, that's Darwinism. Well, there's, 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 there's a couple other things that we have to consider about viruses. Viruses are very, very novel life forms. Uh, we, we're just on the verge of starting to begin the smallest amount of knowledge dealing with these things. And so there were some studies done back in the oh, late 50s, early 60s. They're called notobiotics, and they've, they, they've continued these studies to this day. And what they do is they'll take an animal by C-section, so a rat or a rabbit. They've even done some sheep this way. They take the, the neonates by, by C-section in a sterile environment, and so they're never exposed to bacteria at all. And then from an, in an experimental basis, I know that sounds kind of mean, but they will introduce viruses to these animals. And oddly enough, they don't get very sick. And the reason is because there's a secondary bacterial opportunist that comes in in the face of this immunosuppressive abilities of viruses. So they work in tandem. And so, so for example, a horse got a respiratory crud. Okay, most of these things are started by a virus. There's a secondary bacterial opportunist that comes back in on the heels of this infection. That's why we use antibiotics. So if it was just strictly a viral infection, antibiotics wouldn't do anything for the horse. So I'm wondering if there, there's been some talk about the fluoroquinolones 
the uh, azithromycin as well as ivermectin. I'm wondering if they're not having an effect on a secondary opportunist, not the virus per se, but some something like a secondary opportunist, whether it be a, a, a bacteria or protozoa or something that may be susceptible to treatment with one of these other compounds. And we're not really treating the virus. We're treating a secondary opportunist. You know, it's get interesting. This man. Get that man to Washington. You know, it's interesting. You need to talk to Dr. To Trump. So the, Boston Herald had a story uh, about a centuries-old tuberculosis vaccine. That kind of probably ties into what you're talking about, that people who got this really old tuberculosis vaccine are not getting this virus as you know in great numbers. Uh, and yes. some countries were still using it, and they're seeing much fewer numbers. And that kind of goes to ties in what you said. There's a secondary thing in there that's helping block this virus and in this case it was vaccine from ancient times you know yes 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 exactly and 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 again just like all you know the the worst one we've had we've had we've had was was with the spanish flu outbreak in 1917 and 18 which i mean it had its own set of political challenges because of what president wilson wilson was doing because of our efforts in the first world war and that that spills us into a whole other rabbit trail. We'll, we'll maybe go into it some other time. But bottom line is that no matter what we've seen, especially with the viruses, is that they will eventually run their course. They will mutate and they will change and they will not be be nearly as virulent or infectious. And, and then life will go on. And I, and I think we're going to see we're going to see the same thing happen. Why here. then, just, during the Spanish, it sounds like you know what, what went on there, why then they had it one year and then it came back was even worse the second year? Obviously, we didn't have the technology to come up with the vaccine or even a cure treatment at that point. Well, as far as the coronavirus vaccine, they've been, they've been working on a coronavirus vaccine for the cat for 50 years, and we still don't have one. So it's there. There are certain viruses that lend themselves well to vaccines. Rabies. We have an excellent vaccine against rabies. Have had for 130 years, but we don't have a real good vaccine against influenza. You know, so all viruses are not created equal. The challenge that we had with the Spanish flu was at, at least half political. There were some problems because of uh, President Wilson's uh, wanting us to get involved in the First World War. Mm. And so he put a moratorium on, on newspapers that said that anybody that talks anything bad about the American military is going to get shut down. So basically, he just kind of threw out the First Amendment just right away and put some very, very strong political pressure. Well, the first outbreak for that, that uh, Spanish flu occurred in a, in a, on a military base in Kansas. And there was 57,000 soldiers that were sick with that and dying. And so they were in a very confined area. Uh, there was a moratorium a bit against putting out anything negative about our military. And so the word didn't get out until all of a sudden now we've got a real problem. And now those, sh- and those so, soldiers that start dispersing and spreading it everywhere. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And that's why there was that biphasic peak in the in in, in the outbreak. It's like history week here yeah. on Horses in the Morning between Monday and today. It's like history week. <laughs> <laughs> well those those Winston Churchill said people that refuse to study history are doomed to repeated mistakes. Yeah, well, why do we keep repeating mistakes then? Because we have history. And you know the difference between the Spanish flu time and now we have the internet. So we know everything. <laughs> oh yes, exactly. And, and if it's on the internet, it's bound to be true, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Listen, I, so so my question was: with all of this awesome talk you guys are doing, by the way, it's super interesting to just sit back and listen to the two of you. Um, 
How long does it take for a virus to morph and change and then go away? Since you seem to have all the answers, I want you to tell me how much longer this is going to go on. Um, uh, three weeks, four days, 12 <laughs> hours and 18 minutes. Three weeks, four days, 12 hours and 18 minutes. I'm, I'm writing it down for us. The bell curve, okay, the standard deviation will be forever, okay? So just oh. to cover all my bases, okay? Oh. I, it could be less. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Historically, these things have... If you look at all of the major epidemics, we had we had one back when was it 10, 10, 2010, 2011, We had the swine flu. Uh, I, you know those things will run their course, and so if you just you can look at the different influenza, the different respiratory things that have happened over the recent, let's just say, ten years. And so we were going to have the Asian flu, the avian flu, the swine flu, the SARS thing, which was another coronavirus. I mean, over the last ten years, we've had all of these things crop up and cause some concern. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned, but, but uh, they have all run their course and it, and none of them have taken more than just a few months. So I think they're looking for that flat part of the peak. Okay. That flat part of the curve so that we start to see a decline in numbers. And, and I, I think that thing is going to be here at, at some point. I can't say when, but if this thing follows the, the, the course that other things have in the recent decade, I don't think we're looking at a long haul on this thing. It was will probably become what's called endemic. The same thing happened with the uh, with the West Nile virus back in '04. Uh, we start started seeing great declines in the in the numbers of cases, but we still have this thing crop up periodically because it's here. Again, it's a bird disease. It's not a horse disease. We were accident humans and horses are accidental hosts. And I think this coronavirus may well come come about and do the same thing. Well, I have a question. I have a question. Okay. Sorry, I know we're keeping you way too long. Uh, so I and my husband believe we've already had it. We were very sick, and he's an airline pilot. We just think we already had it. We've recovered. Can I? I don't think if you've already had it, you can't get it again. Well, correct? there's some there. I just read a story this morning that they're they're starting in the other countries that were ahead of us, South Korea and. China and some of the other countries that were ahead of us on this, they are seeing cases and they're trying to figure out why they're seeing a number of cases of people who are testing positive a second time. And it's usually uh, one to two months later. And they're trying to figure out why some people are testing positive again and some aren't. Dr. Siemens, can you get the same virus twice? Well, here's the, the this, this becomes a problem. Uh, for, in, the, in the first place, there's, there's basically only two ways to test. Okay, there's a test that's called the polymerase chain reaction test, the PCR test, and that actually that actually uh, will indicate the presence of the either the RNA or the DNA of a sp very specific virus. The the chop so that's the one where they they stick that swab up your nose, back up into your brain someplace. That mm -hmm. they, they tell me they got to get that swab way up in there to be effective. So. The problem with that is that if you do it too early, too late, you're going to miss it. So you'll get some false negatives. So that will tell you that you that the virus is in there. Then the other test would be an antibody test. And so that's where they pull your blood and see if you've got antibodies to that very specific disease. And so the challenge with these two tests is there's, so there's such a thing as a false negative to the PCR, depending upon when you did the test. And there's also such a thing as a false positive because of the blood test. So, for example, we can test you for influenza A. And, and you will probably have a reactive titer to influenza A. If you're not sick today, 
that's not an indication that this is causing you disease. This is an indication that you have been exposed to that. That's what that's what that's what vaccines do is they is they fool your body into thinking that that you've got a really real a real virus there when in fact all it is it's it's sort of a duplicate of a virus that's not infectious. It teaches your immune system what it looks like so we can attack it the next time it sees a real a real virus. So those antibody titers will tell you that you've been exposed, but it doesn't tell you you've got the disease. And so it's, we see this with, with strangles in, in, in the horse barns all the time. Horses got the snots. Next thing you know, it's a strangles epidemic. Well, most of the time, it's just a respiratory crud, not strangles. So just because Jamie thinks that, that Buck's got strangles, just because he's got the snots and the cough, that doesn't necessarily mean he has strangles. And so now with the coronavirus out there, everybody that has a little bit of the sniffles is going to be you know, worried that they've got the disease. So Every time the I cough, I panic. Because of, because of symptoms. They're not necessarily gonna 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 mesh well with with actual cases of the, of the COVID nineteen. So, say I had COVID nineteen a couple months ago. Can I get COVID nineteen again? Like, I, like, I and know. get sick again? I don't know. And if, if, say if, I if had you, it. If you could, if if you could, that that would be a rather unique type of a virus because most of the most of the viral infections don't don't necessarily impart lifelong immunity. They will impart some immunity. Yeah, I, and from what I was reading, the people that, that they found it in again were getting sick again, but not as bad as the first time. So that kind of goes along with what you're saying. But if, say, I did have it a couple months ago, and I can still be a carrier of it. Like, I can still, like, say, I pick it up at the Walmart and I go over to my mother-in-law's house, I can still give it to them, right, even though I'm not symptomatic. Yes, absolutely. And, okay. and but that but that is not that is not unique to COVID nineteen. That right. is the case with all respiratory ah. viruses. All of them. All of them. So we see this occasionally in, in, in again in public boarding facilities or show barns where you got one horse that goes to a show and comes back and all of a sudden you've got three horses in the barn that are blowing green boogers. And yet the horse that went to the show is fine. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's something to be concerned about. But if you, if you knew how often you get exposed to these things, it would drive you nuts mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we have, most of us have competent immune systems that keep us, that keep us sound. And then we can be thankful for that. So you, you need to be smart. You know, you don't haul sick horses. You know, I mean, if, if you know, if, 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 if you're, if you got the respiratory crud, you should stay home. But that's the case. That's the case with the, just the seasonal flu or whatever. So they're they're inapparent carriers for lots of diseases, not just the COVID. It's fly time! Yay! Protect your equine friends with Cashel Company's full line of chemical-free fly protection. The Cashel Company's Crusader fly mask has a patented design for maximum comfort and protection from insects and blocks 70% of UV rays. Available in an array of styles and sizes, Cashel Company's Crusader line of fly protection is a chemical-free alternative to fly sprays that can contain chemicals. They're expensive and they don't last for long periods periods of time. Side note, the fly masks last forever in Cashel. The Crusader line by Cashel Company can protect your horse from head to toe. They have fly masks, fly sheets, 
and fly boots. And, you know, it alleviates pressure from their soft tissue, their leg soft tissues with the casual company crusader leg guards. The unique adjustable design helps reduce stomping caused by insect induced stress and will fit any horse in the barn. For more information on casual products, visit one of the nationwide authorized dealers or visit www.casualcompany.com. That's casualcompany.com. You can find them also on Facebook and Instagram. Well, I am so excited for this interview because it's with a friend of mine and a brand that I am so excited to be working with. Welcome to the show, Forrest. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, the best you can in quarantine, you know. But you work, well, you founded Herd of Zebras, which is such a great brand. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, well, you're too kind. Herd of Zebras is a lifestyle brand that was founded in 2018. I founded it with my sister-in-law, Liz. And the whole idea behind Herd of Zebras is really embracing your journey. We have the tagline, show your stripes, meaning basically just don't be afraid to be who you are and share your journey with all of the people around you. I know that's very broad, but... No, I personally... I love it because I think it's something, especially now in community is so important to have. It's such a needed program. And you, I mean, your clothing is so cute. You have all kinds of cute accessories, but you also have an amazing blog series where different equestrians come together and kind of share their different stories. And what I really loved about this is a lot of times we see X racehorses, whether they're a thoroughbred, a standard bred, a quarter horse, you know, they come into the ring or being in a show ring and they're very normal to be adopted. But at times, at least people feel like maybe they're outsiders with that. They don't have the fancy warm blood in the hunter ring or a thoroughbred trying to make it as a barrel horse. How do you see herd of zebras being able to lift someone up who might be doubting their horse in the ring? Right, right. I love that analogy. Um, when I started Herd of Zebras, it all started because I was having a lot of health issues. Um, I have stage four endometriosis. So trying to find someone else that could relate to me and, you know, really be a part of my herd, as you will, was challenging. So the people that I always found that could be there for me were my friends with horses. And, you know, when you go to the barn, it doesn't matter your background, your age, anything. It's that you have that common love, you know, of the horses, which, you know, instantly you have friends because of it. And I grew up um, riding a grade pony, Sparky, who is actually the herd of zebras mascot is named after him. And he was a pack pony in Montana before I got him. And, you know, I did the large pony hunters on him and Mm -hmm. I was showing against all these hill crest ponies or you know, warm blood pony crosses and, you know, it, it can mess with your confidence a little thinking you're not mm-hmm. sitting on the same quality animal that someone else might be, but it doesn't matter. And that's, you know, what herd of zebras is trying to show. It doesn't matter what your story is or where you're coming from. You can be your most authentic self. And I think that really translates with thoroughbreds as well. I would agree with that, especially a lot of times these horses come with injuries or baggage. And, you know, personally, my thoroughbred, she had 
flipped herself in the cross ties. I had people telling me I had to put her down after that, that she was an endangerment to herself and others. When in truth, it was just, you know, she didn't handle pressure well. She wasn't taught to handle pressure at the time. And so putting a little bit of time and effort and love into it had changed that. And what I love about the blog is that everyone kind of brings these stories that no one's perfect, but they bring something of high quality to the table. And so you actually recently adopted an OTTB for your niece. How did you come to that decision? Yeah. So, you know, growing up riding, I grew up basically getting on anything as most young horse crazy kids would do. So when I was a teenager, I had an off the track thoroughbred named JR and I loved him. I mean, he still to this day, I'm 33 now, had the best jump of any horse that I've ever ridden. And, you know, they're smart and nothing really beats in my mind, a good thoroughbred. They will go and go and go forever for you. So I really wanted my niece to have something that wasn't made as you will, that she was going to have to work and build a relationship with this horse. And I'm also a big fan of mares. (laughs) And you and me both. I knew I liked you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I I was always <laughs> afraid of mares I guess because you know my trainer was like nope we're not doing mares in this barn this that and the other thing and I had a wonderful big gray mare named bling and looked at her once and it was instant love and after that all of my horses have been mares and and that's what I prefer I mean nothing beats a really good mare that mm-hmm. loves you and you know respects you and I don't think anything can even be better than a thoroughbred mare. Um, they're tough as nails. So they this really mare, um, Sage, we got her yeah, back in November. I actually knew the woman who had her. We showed ponies together when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And when I got my young horse, Bindi, I imported her from um, Ireland without telling my parents or my ex-husband. Whoops. And <laughs> she picked up Sage from Arlington Racetrack in Illinois the same time that she picked up Bindi from quarantine. So I knew about this mare and always really liked her. And my friend was going through some life changes with having more children and just didn't have time for her. So Mm -hmm. she just was kind of sitting. And um, my mare Cupcake died last year in May. And that left a really big hole in our family and my niece really the plan was for this horse to be Bryn, my niece's horse. And, you know, so we went on and tried leasing different animals and then they would always get sold under her and not having a big budget, you know, you're kind of limited to what you can get, especially in a show barn where people are spending ridiculous amounts of money. It's not something I wanted to do. So while talking to my friend Morgan, she was like, well, try her. You know, we had her out for a lease to buy. The kid lost interest, but she's tough. And the mare is tough. Um, Not necessarily when you ride her, but on the ground. So we're working through that. And now with the quarantine, um, our farm is actually closed. So we haven't been out there in almost a month now. But, you know, a lot of it with my niece is I'm, like you've got to build a relationship and build trust with this horse on the ground. Think about how much time you spend with them on the ground versus on their back. But slowly and surely, I mean, they're, 
they're forming a bond and it's been a really cool process to watch. I love that. And I think you said it so well, like they're tough as nails, you know, and they, they come with such a great story. Each one of these horses who comes off the track, they had a story beforehand that made them who they are today. So I love that you advocate for them. Thank you so much for doing that. How can listeners become a part of the herd? So we have a larger Instagram following. You can follow us on there. Our Facebook is a little bit smaller as we find most of our audience engages with us on Instagram. We do a lot of different types of contests and drawings, and we're always looking for different people in the equestrian community who maybe have faced certain levels of hardship or different experiences that someone else might find valuable. So we're always looking for guest bloggers. That's really appreciated. And we're just basically here for you. Um, Whether it be me responding directly to comments that come on through our Instagram or if one of our assistants is able to respond, we'll always make sure that we get back to you and be there for you or direct you to someone else that may have gone through a situation that you're dealing with and see if we can get you some support that way. I think that's great. And especially during this time right now where there's so much uncertainty and a lot of people are facing anxiety and fear, you have done such a great job making a social media presence of doing kind of live streams on Instagram and bringing different equestrians to the table to talk about their emotions during this time. And you're also doing something really neat to support the equestrian business. And tell us a little bit about the virtual equestrian trade show. Oh, awesome. Yes. So the Virtual Equestrian Trade Show came about when my friend Erin, um, she owns Eckright, which is, you have an Eckright now. I do. Um, it's so great. My students that. hate it, but it's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's this little device for anyone that isn't familiar with it that you clip on the front of your helmet. And it's like having your own little riding instructor sitting on your shoulder telling you when your position is changing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we were both going to. Equine Affair in Ohio, which would be, would have just gone on last weekend. And we're both very young businesses. And this was our first opportunity to really get out to the masses and let people see our brands, meet us and understand more about what our brand is about. So when all of this, you know, global pandemic, which I never thought I would be saying, um, came about, mm-hmm. we we're chatting and we're like, so how are we going to survive as small business owners? Like for me, this is my sole income and this is a really scary thing. So instead of dwelling on it, we're like, well, what can we do to change it? Cause that's very much how we both think. So we wanted to support those other small business owners that aren't able to go to those trade shows that have a large amount of inventory invested for either the summer show season or Like I was going to Land Rover. So we have all this inventory hanging out. What can we do to let the equine community meet us in a way without actually physically being there? Mm -hmm. So virtual equestrian trade show is happening on April 17th and going through the 26th of April. And basically what it is, is a platform for consumers to shop all of these brands that you would have seen at things like Equine Affair or Midwest Horse Fair or Land Rover three-day event in one place. So right now we have 54 different vendors and 
Yeah. So big brands that have, you know, a large social media following, not like the large scaled tax stores, but the smaller independent brands. And we're hoping that this will be something that we do every few months. And we're really excited to share it with our community and continue growing it as, you know, the years progress. I think that's amazing. I'm actually just kind of scrolling through it on Instagram right now. It's under virtual equestrian trade show. And we'll make sure to add that tag into our show notes. But you're featuring a brand almost every day with this brand spotlight. And some of the stuff is so cool. These are companies I've never even heard of. So I definitely want to recommend that everyone checks it out. And it's April 17th. This will be happening. Yep. And we're going to be highlighting the rest of the brands. We're trying to do a few a day now until then. And on the Herd of Zebras page, we are having a live tomorrow at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time with Erin of Eckright, where we're going to talk a little bit more about the virtual equestrian trade show and, you know, how we came about it and what we're trying to do to support small business owners and really join together during this scary time. Very cool. And so that won't come out on our show since we are pre-recording two days before, but we'll make sure to put a link for that for our listeners. Thank you so much. Of course. And thank you, Forrest, for coming on today. I think Herd of Zebras is such an important thing to have right now, especially during a time like this, but for all equestrians to feel included and that their story should be heard. So where can people check out Herd of Zebras to learn more? Again, on Instagram, it's herd.of.zebras. And on our website is www.herd-of-zebras.com. Yep, we're there. We're ready to always welcome new people into our herd. So we hope you check us out. Perfect. Thank you so much. Fate Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the Care Cushion System and Easy Change Fit solution ensure their absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a Bait Saddle. Visit BaitSaddles.com to find out more. That's BaitSaddles.com. Well, of course, it would just not be Retired Racehorse Radio without having Sarah Coleman from New Vocations to come on to give us an update of what's happening at New Vocations during this time. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So what is keeping you guys busy during this lovely quarantine time we're all facing? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, we, as a team, we were all kind of a little bit anxious that, you know, our adoption applications and adoption of the horses would slow down just with the uncertainty of the times. And in all honesty, they haven't. We are almost right at the same amount of adoptions for the month that we have had both March and April that we have had in years past and our adoption applications have exploded, which is wonderful. So we think that as more people have some time and they're sitting in front of their computers that they're filling out, you know, they're online checking us out and and filling out their adoption applications. And we've actually started a couple new things to try to encourage people to get a little bit of a behind the scenes peek of both our Kentucky facility and the horses so our farm right now is completely closed to outside visitors, as it, as are you know most places, clearly. But we still wanted to make sure that in addition to just 
our Facebook page that people could kind of interact with us a little bit more as they're in front of their computers. So we've started two different virtual events. We do an adoptable horse meet and greet Monday through Saturday at noon. That's Eastern time. And every Wednesday we do a farm walkthrough. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. So how can people find that? Is that just through social media or? Yes. Yep. It's on our Facebook page and Leandra typically chooses the horse that she wants to feature uh, the day before. So she will do a, a, you know, an, an introduction of the horse. One of her staff might be riding the horse. They'll, you know, show it go under saddle. They might show it in the stall. And we also have our social media guru, um, Erica, is online at the same time, reading comments and questions that are coming through so that those are answered at the same time. I love that. That's so fun. And so you can find them on Instagram and Facebook for that. I'm going to add a calendar reminder so I can be a part of this now. (laughs) (laughs) And I love hearing that adoptions haven't slowed down. Plus your new website looks phenomenal. I can see why people are just jumping on it. So wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, of course, you guys can follow everything, like I said, on social media with New Vocations. Just check out New Vocations Horse Adoption Program and make sure to check out their amazing website at horseadoption.com. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful night. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby. And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. It's time to bring on Leandra from New Vocations and talk about our Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. And a chestnut with chrome is what we're talking about. Hey, Leandra, what's his name? Stop asking. Listen, Leandra, what's his name? It's Stop Asking. (laughs) That was too easy. Sorry. Yeah. The horse's name is Stop Asking. He's an adorable chestnut with some chrome. And I'm looking at his pictures here on New Vocations website. How on earth do you get those white socks so white? Well, the secret to that is really that we use the spray, the horse intended white spray. You know, we're not doing spray paint or anything here, but there are definitely some products out there that just give you that artificial white look and help you expedite the process of getting them so pearly white. Wow. Thank you for revealing that secret. I'm going to Amazon that one. So tell us about Stop Asking. Well, Sam, as we call him around the barn, is a 2017 gelding. He stands around 16 hands, but I am expecting that he'll grow just based off the way he's built. He's really leggy and has moments of being a little butt high. He might've already grown. He was just 16 at the time that we sticked him, but definitely expecting him to finish in the 16s. And he's probably got some filling out to do as well, but he's one who really caught my eye right from the beginning because he was just so darn sweet. He's just such a nice horse and such a good citizen around the barn that he, you just are like a magnet to him. And he's been a pleasure to work with ever since he came. And he has some interesting bloodlines too. I really like the Dixieland band horses and the Fapiano is another um, bloodline that caught my eye, but also has like Rahi and Secretariat and Um, is just a neat horse through his bloodlines and then just in the way he presents himself. 
but he had a little tiny hairline fracture in his metacarpus, which would be like our shin. So fortunately that is not related to an articular place. So not in a joint, it's a pretty stationary part of his body and he's not expected to have any restrictions now. And actually we've already started in the process of rehab riding him and he's in his final week of that. So he's about to graduate to the totally fine, just like every other horse category and hasn't had a single lame moment with us. And the kind of things that we're working on with him are working on stretching down because he has a more unicked neck development, but he has a really upright movement to him as well. So we like the latter part of that. And now we're just getting him to use that top line a bit more, but he is eager to please. So he has been an exceptional mount in the whole learning process And because of that, we think that he could even be suitable for an advanced intermediate type rider who is working with a trainer. He's not like a professional only type of horse. He really is the all around good guy, tons of prospect and could go in any number of directions. So pretty excited about him. I mean, he's just a baby. If you look at him, like you said, like, one minute he looks like he's butt high. Next minute he's wither high. He's mm-hmm. just in that phase of growing, especially with a problem with a the the shin bone, like you were talking about. That is something that it's still growing. I mean, so what a good time mm-hmm. to pull him right off the track and just give him a break. And he's gonna he's gonna heal up no problem from that. He is adorable, but he's got like a short back, which I really like, and a good upright shoulder. So I think he'll be pretty sporty in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think more than anything, what I really love about him is that really soft eye. You can tell he just has a good soul. And I was looking at, because actually, even though this will air on the 10th, the the day that we're recording this, April 8th, that's the day today, is one year exactly since I adopted my horse who (sighs) suckered me into being a foster fail from New Vocations. And I was looking at pictures of him a year ago and there are so many ways that he has changed. He's like a totally different horse. You posted that on Facebook. Yeah. You posted that on Facebook and it was like, what are you doing to make your horse Mm -hmm. look? I mean, he is like completely different and muscled and built, but yeah, you're right. That, that I is the same. You just, you can't make yeah. them sweet. You know, they're just born that you way. Can't. And with some Rahi in him, it's just a great combination. Oh. He looks like his, like Rahi. So we wanted, we've been asking you for a training tip, but I wanted to do something a little bit different because, you know, we've talked a lot about when they first come off the track. One thing I wanted to ask you about is when they first come to you guys, are there certain mm-hmm. kind of go-to things that y'all do as far as like feed and supplements or a Miprazole or or something that you kind of, it's your go-to like cocktail for a horse off the track? No, not really. Um, I (laughs) switch, we're in the process of switching actually, as far as feed comes, we had a locally made grain that was basically a simplified sweet feed. So not quite as sweet as kind of the um, sugary mix that people worry about, but definitely made it really easy for them to transition from the track because we never have grain come with them. 
So they had to be able to adjust to it right away. And so we've had this performance sweet feed, but I wanted them to get a little more fat because the performance sweet feed was 13% protein and 6% fat. And one of the things that we know that helps to get that picture perfect look that you'll see on the website is to build up their fat reserves because a lot of times they're like high octane athletes and they don't really have a high percentage of fat in their body. But as they become sport performance horses, we like to see them being a little more fleshy. Mm -hmm. And for that, you need to not only meet their internal fat reserves, but exceed them to have the fat be more present externally. I wish I had that problem. Definitely. (laughs) I know. (laughs) They're just lucky suckers. (laughs) Just all that metabolism. So I've started to work in a 12% protein, 12% fat grain and started to mix it in because what we were finding was we were adding so much fat and like cool calories and we use rice bran oil and flaxseed and all those sort of things. So we definitely had a cocktail going, but I like to keep things as simple as possible because especially if you're pulling a horse right from the track, a lot of times they might be coming down from whatever cocktails they're getting on the track, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what they're using. So you want to keep things as simple as possible to help in that transition because down the road, once they're more transitioned, you can evaluate different supplements. And I don't, even down the road, I like to keep it as simple as possible, but you can evaluate if something's working a heck of a lot better once you know that they're not on anything else. So just give them the time to let down first. High quality grass and hay is probably the best thing you can do. And just keeping the grain as simplified as possible and keeping them just getting high quality products and just evaluating how they do in that whole process. You can make adjustments if you think that they're losing weight or really easy keepers and all of that. Um, And then down the road, you can add things like my horse was seeming like maybe he had respiratory things and had a bunch of little like quirky stuff. So I keep him on a fish oil supplement because it has that um, omega three versus the omega six. Like it has a very balanced ratio and more threes than six, which is anti-inflammatory. And I like vitamin E supplements, anti-inflammatory things I think do well But you always want to make sure you're giving high-quality products so you're not just putting your money down the toilet, so to speak, on products that um, are not tested and approved, like research tested. Yeah. Right, because we don't have the same FDA-approved type process for supplements, and that's a huge, huge money-making industry. So just keep it simple. Um, it's, It's really easy to just go down a rabbit hole of looking at all the things that they could get, but just... Start simple. You can add things. If you don't see a difference, you can take them off or change it and whatnot. But um, this is the, probably the perfect time to say our title sponsor is an incredibly wet, reputable, well-researched supplement company, Kentucky Performance Products. So if you want to get something, get it from yay. them. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that's exactly who I get my fish oil from. So are you serious? Yes, <laughs> I'm totally it works, serious. Guys. Contribute <laughs> is what I use in my horse 
laps it up and it smells uh, actually really nice. So fish oil people think of as being nasty, but if you're going to do an oil and need the anti-inflammatory, I highly, highly, highly recommend the contribute product, um, which okay. is the KPP fish oil. So, so yeah, when I ask you for a magical cocktail, there you go. That's what she recommends. That Kentucky is absolutely. You need well, fat and you need anti-inflammatory. So you really can't go wrong with that. And it is, you get so much bang for your buck. You might as well try it. KPPUSA.com. Hey, Leandra, thanks as always for coming on. Please give a big smooch on the nose to stop asking for us. Sam, you know, as you will. All right. Thanks, girl. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. And have a new Facebook page. It's Flyver Farms, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. And you can also email me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at joyhequestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Products, and Bait Saddles. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Bye.